Hello. Welcome. Sam, 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 I'm so scared. Shh. I'm so scared. I'm running with a different idea. I'm running with a different idea. Okay, all right. I'm not scared. Never mind. In 2020, a group of two podcasters went into a recording studio searching for the truth behind the Blair Witch. This is what they found. Or their footage, their, their audio yeah. is the only thing that was recovered. Oh, God, I fucked it up. <laughs> That's good. Their audio was the only thing that was recovered. So in that world, are we, we are now deceased, and this podcast is the last living remnant of us and our yes. experience with the Blair Witch. That is accurate. Uh, Kyle and I are dead. Uh, but first we recorded a podcast called Insert Movie Here, the Musical, where we take movies that shouldn't be musicals and we turn them into them anyway. Yeah, we, we talked through sort of structural changes in the plots, where the songs would be, what the songs would be, and then at the end of it, what happens? Sam, you tell them what happens at the end. At the end of it, before we die, Kyle wrote a song, <laughs> and someone really talented is going to perform it. So our work will live on. Now, as this theme song plays... Contemplate the lives we led. <laughs> they did it with hairspray. They did it with Xanadu. Why not Inception? Or maybe The Godfather 2. They did it with Spamalot and Little Shop and Groundhog Day. So why not try with Paranormal Activity? Just take any movie and add in like 10 or 12 songs. So what if Shayla's singing feels oh so wrong? So what if the flick we pick's a fit a bit unsuitable? We'll make it a Broadway hit, both baffling and beautiful. Just give us an hour, even Deer Hunter is doable. It's Insert Movie Here, the musical. Pick any movie and insert it right here. Yeah! Okay. Kyle, do you want to tell everybody what movie we're going to do today? We are going to do The Blair Witch Project. The musical. Spooky. That's spooky. We were like, we got to do a horror movie, and for some reason... We thought what horror movie would most lend itself to a musical comedy? It was obviously The Blair Witch Project. Yes. For the listeners who haven't seen Blair Witch Project in a while, uh, should we give them like the 30-second summary or yeah. whatever? But, uh, but, you, but you do it. Okay, so there are like three teenagers, maybe college students, young adults, something, named Heather, Josh, and Mike, who are making a documentary about this like urban legend, local legend called the Blair Witch, which is this like thing that lives in the woods and kills little kids. So they go into the woods with cameras looking for it. They get lost. A bunch of scary things happen. They lose their map. They find stick figures. It's really bad. And one of them gets kidnapped, probably by the Blair Witch. And every night is, like, horrifying. And the kidnapped guy starts screaming. And they follow his screams to this little, like, abandoned house in the middle of the woods. And they go into the house. And bad things happen in the house. I'll just say bad things happen in that house. <laughs> End of movie. We should talk about The Blair Witch Project. This is another movie that I don't think we've maybe ever talked about. That can't be true. I don't think we've talked about it. Well, you don't like horror f films as much as I do. No, I like them. I get scared. I get scared easily. So what's your, like, favorite horror movie, Kyle? My favorite would probably be... I don't know. That's a good question. Is Silence of the Lambs a horror movie? Probably not. No, that's exactly my point. You like movies that are like slightly creepy, but not actually scary movies. Like you like scary movies, but not the movies you go to the theater to like jump out of your seat and be scared at. 
Right. Although I did see the Blair Witch Project uh, as a child um, because everybody saw it. Many people saw it. Uh, we were eight years old when it came out, right? We were eight. It was like the movie. It was, And it was the same year that The Sixth Sense came out, which is a genuinely scary movie that I like. Yeah, I was thinking, I, I posed this question to some of the people I just watched the movie with. Is there a more influential film of the past, like, 30 years? And I mean, like, I don't mean, like, influential on, like, actual thought or culture. But I mean in terms of, like, how many movies came out really trying to chase its... What right. it succeeded yeah. at. And I guess you could, like, I mean, I guess you're gonna, I know you, so you're gonna say X-Men 1 spawned the whole, like, <laughs> modern superhero film. And you might be right, but certainly some of those movies that came after, like, dwarfed X-Men 1. But, like, Blair Witch Project did something that so many movies have tried to capture. Um, and I feel like Paranormal Activity might be the only one that's come pretty close. Of course. The found, the found footage thing, yeah. Yeah, the entire premise of the movie is it's found footage. I think it is the first movie that really sort of went all balls to walls with that, right? Like, completely. I'm sure there are others, but that was the big deal about this movie, and then it made so much money. I have this memory of seeing the Blair Witch Project in theaters. It's not a real memory. It can't be real. My dad is psycho, but there's no way he took me to see the Blair Witch Project at age eight. I did not there see might this movie be. in theaters. There might be. I'm convinced I did, though. Like, no. So what I think happened was I think my older brother would have been, like, 11 or 12 at the time, which, yeah. to be clear, is still too young to see the Blair Witch Project. Far too young. <laughs> but I think is around the age my dad would have reasonably taken him. So I have a feeling they went to see it, and I had to go see, like— The Rugrats movie. I had to go see the Rugrats movie, and I was so probably so bitter about it that, like, in my mind— you. S- you saw it. I feel like I saw it in the movie theaters. And I also think once we got home, my brother Nat instantly told me everything about it. Like, I think I experienced the movie through his telling of it before I ever saw it. And in fact, like, I remember we'd be playing outside for for weeks later and he would make those little wooden stick figures and hide them around the I like, love that. around the <laughs> yard to scare the shit out of me. So, Sam, so we, but we should get into this. We should, we should, because I kind of have a hot take. Are you going to say you didn't think it was scary? I think this movie kind of sucks. No, it's so good. <laughs> I think it kind of sucks. What um, are you talking about? I think it's kind of boring. I think the acting is bad. I don't care about the characters. And I don't think it's very scary anymore. So, <laughs> wow. that's my take. But you were genuinely still, you still thought it was very scary? I found it very scary. I would not say I found the actors good, but I also wouldn't say I found them bad. I, I think they pretty much stand in line with, like, all of those movies, like Paranormal Activity and all those. Like, I can believe enough that they are, like, really talking to each other and really feeling and things. And I get tired. Ti- here's, here's my other thing. I get tired of the way that it's shot. I would be much happier with it being, like, a half hour or, like, a 20-minute long movie. So you want it to be, like, the, the, the Slender Man series almost. Yeah, it's just, like, so long for, like, and it's I get dizzy like and I'm, like... like, 71 minutes. <laughs> it, it feels very long, though, for that. Um, okay, I guess I will just say I do not feel that way. I agree that, like, the performances aren't polished, but, like, in a way to me that feels very satisfying and real. Um, And I agree that not much happens, but in a way that, like, lets me focus on, like, sundown, sunup, sundown, sunup, and that rhythm of, like, relief, fear, relief, fear, which I find so effective in, like, 
building the fear. Yes. Um, and yeah, I, I find it pretty, um, I didn't find it like as terrifying as I found it when I was like 12. Well, the thing of it is, it's like, you don't, you don't see anything, which is cool. But like, once you know that, you know, when you watch it again, it's like, you know, that there's nothing that's going to come out. You know what I mean? Yeah, but some of us are scared of things more than just things jumping out at us, Kyle. Some of us are scared of the thoughts of our friends screaming in the woods or their teeth showing up in bloody flannels. All they do in this movie is scream in the woods, Sam. That's the whole movie. Um, there is, there's the one actor, Mike, I think, and then we'll move on. There's the one actor, Mike, who... Who's crazy. He's crazy. And he clearly, at one point in time, like, very early on, like, in the, like, we're hanging out in the woods, like, shouted something. He was like, God bless America, or something. And you know the director was like, that's good. That feels very real when you do that. And he just did it every yes. scene. Yes, I was gonna say, the most psychopathic moment of the movie is when Mike is just belting patriotic songs at the top of his lungs <laughs> for, like, a straight five minutes. There just, there naturally is already some singing, so it seems like it lends itself quite well to the musical format. <laughs> yes. Are we bl- going right in on this? I don't know. Is there anything, I, is there anything else you want to say about the movie? I think you've made yourself very clear. No. I have nothing else to say about you it. You don't I'm even really... think just the image of those little wooden guys is creepy. Yeah, I think that's iconic. It's like Carcosa, but kind of better. What's Carcosa. Girl, you know what Carcosa is. True Detective, season one. Oh, da 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 da. No, 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 no. That's one of the best things ever. Don't don't oh, no, even smirch no, 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 the no, no, name. No, no, obviously True Detective season one is great. I'm saying specifically the Carcosa has like these little wooden like yeah yeah yeah, yeah twiggy yeah. things, and I'm yeah. just saying I can't find the Blair Witch ones truly terrifying. Yeah. Well, then I'll start making them for you. Mm, please do. Okay, so we're going in. It's time to turn the Blair Witch Project into a musical. Yeah, it's time to turn Blair Witch into a musical. And not just any musical, because, you know, obviously, like, there's an immersive version of this that would be done at, like, St. Anne's Warehouse, where, like, you are the campers, and, like, you actually hear audio footage of, like, your actual friends screaming. That would be, like, very scary and imitate the sensation. That's not what we're making here, right, Kyle? Nonetheless, I do think we are still getting Evo Van Hove to uh, direct, direct it, right? <laughs> yeah, but my point is, like, we are doing this on a proscenium on Broadway. It's me and you writing this. We're doing it how we would do it. The question I would I pose to you is: we wanna we wanna keep the sort of feel of the movie, right? This sort of found footage vibe like how do we how do we uh recreate that in theatrical terms sam so what you're asking me is do we do a musical where we show three actors filming something or creating something or whatever um or do we do a musical where we see their footage or create their footage is that the sort of other way of putting the question yeah how i my question is how are we going to adapt the form of the film to the stage the form being the found footage vibe. Well, there is this sort of like theatrical vocabulary of like documentary theater already, where you do like a Laramie project or you do a yeah, something yeah, else yeah. project. A, a lot of Moises Kaufman stuff. Yeah, and, and the idea of those are we are a group of ensemble actors who are taking found 
interview text, whatever, and recreating it as if it was a documentary for the yes. stage. So the idea of this one would be we are a troupe of actors who have interviewed the four survivors or watched the footage and are recreating it for you? Is that? Do you think that's, like, the answer? I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's good. You know, lights up and the people are, like, in October 1994, three student filmmakers... Uh, disappeared in the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland. It feels like you're already almost skipping a step. It would actually be lights up before the show starts at Curtain, and you're seeing them in their actor clothes, like, doing stretches on stage, doing vocal warm-ups. They are the actors. And it's very grave. The ambiance in the theater is very grave. It's like you come in, the lights are all up, and it's very still and quiet, and there's just these <laughs> actors all in black, sort of Playing zip stretching. Zap Playing zip, like, zap, zap. They're like, zip, zap. Yes. Zap. And then yes. the show starts. They say this, this in 1994 footage was found. This is their story. And then they would like all go run upstage and put on like top hats and flannels and fishing gear. And they'd be the people of yes, Blair, yes, 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 Maryland. I love it. Let's, let's get into it. The opening number, the lights rise, the actors and their actor gear line up on stage and sort of say like in 1994 – a group of documentary kids went into the woods. This is what they found. And yes. then they go put on the costumes. They put on the Heather costume, the Mikey costume, the uh, fisherman yes. costumes, the random townspeople costumes. And they sing the opening number, which is what? What's the opening number, Kyle? Well, I think there's two op- two options here. Yep. That I feel like it's either a, a number about how they're all stoked to be making this movie that's sort of getting the gang together. You know, they go pick up Mike. He's got the equipment. They go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. That's one option. And the other option, I think, is, like, have you heard about the Blair Witch? Like, going around and asking, like... Yes. Or... Oh. Or C. a third option, perhaps, mayhaps. It's a sort of... Asking sort of ghost story opening number to the audience about asking them if they've ever heard about the Blair Witch. What do you think? Pick one. <laughs> I think the other possibility is very early on. Um, like I think first shots of the movie, there's she's scanning over what she's packing, and one of the things is a book called How to Stay Alive in the Woods. And I, yes. I, think there, I think there could be a kind of into the woods sort of opening number of we're going into the woods. Uh, how, and how do we stay alive in the woods about all the things. An that- into the woods style number about going into the woods, Sam. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> no, I think that sounds good. It's just, yeah, of course. Yeah. The that's point great. being, what are all of the things that can kill you in the woods? It could be yeah. thirst. It can be. Sam, is this a song that's a list? (laughs) It could be diarrhea that could get you in the woods. You could eat the wrong kind of mushroom. Or the Blair Witch could kill you. But I, I I think we both agree that the common thread is who is the Blair Witch. And if we are having all the actors sort of change into their local fisherman outfits, local librarian and mom and stuff outfits, it makes sense to instantly go into this number where they ask who the Blair Witch is. Wait, well, you had to talk about Mary Brown. Yeah, and Mary Brown is the obvious one because she is the person in the town who has met the Blair Witch, who has experienced the Blair Witch. And through this song, through the opening number, what you're saying is they keep hearing that if they really want to learn about the Blair Witch, they should go talk to Mary Brown. Yeah. Great. 
And I think before they talk to Mary Brown... Oh, you want the I Want song? I think we can get an I Want song for her specifically. Heather. Yeah. Well, this is Heather's story. Yeah, so we need Heather, like, we need a moment after she's interviewed them, and there she's, a, she's on the steps of Mary Brown, and the other two guys are like, hey, Heather, I've heard this woman's cuckoo. I don't know if we really need to talk to her. She's giving me creeps. And Mary Brown, or, and Heather is like, no, I'm here for the truth. I'm here to get out of here. I'm here to be a great maker of documentaries, and this is why. And she sings her song. Yes. And the only thing I have written down as a possible idea is can I have permission to put images of your face in a documentary? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things she asks uh, some of the people in the town at one point in time. She's like, I need, I need explicit permission to put images of your face in my documentary. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think yeah. she needs to be like... It's always this thing where she's shooting, they're shooting on like, I think they have like a Super 8 camera or something. I might be getting this wrong. And then they have like a 16 millimeter camera. And, like, whenever they switch to the black and white 16 millimeter, it's, like, she's gotten the permission and now she can actually interview them. Right. And so I think she needs this number where she's explaining to the two the two boys who don't take it as seriously as her that there's this question deep inside that just, like, fuels her forward. It, it just eats at her insides. And that question is, can I have permission to put an image of your face in my documentary? <laughs> Yeah, I and love then, that. That's great. And because she wants it so bad, she they knock on the door and out comes Mary Brown. Mary Brown. And this is where we get the real sort of, you know, we've gotten the sort of like fun, like, ooh, spooky dookie, like, <laughs> spooky dookie is the word I just said. <laughs> spooky dookie, um, Blair Witch, like, ooh. But like, this is where we really drop in and get like the real fucking story of the Blair Witch. In the movie, Mary Brown describes this experience she had lying down in the woods and seeing the Blair Witch, who was this woman, but with hairy arms like a horse, she keeps saying. So I guess not like like arm hair, horse hair, wearing a long coat, and when she opens up her coat, there's more horse, basically. Yeah. So we've basically got like BoJack Horseman as the Blair Witch. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Exactly. And... What we also should put in this number, that is, I think someone else reveals, but there is the detail of the Blair Witch when she or it kills kids. She consistently, she has them face the coroner because she doesn't like them watching. There's a man, there's a man that they say. His name is Rustin Parr, and he has a house that the witch makes him do this. He he kills people, but he'll take them one by one and he'll put one of them in the corner like time out. And then he'll kill the other one. Because he doesn't like having their eyes on him yeah. when he murders. Me neither. I mean, it's like he's pee shy. He's pee shy about killing kids. <laughs> so my point is, that that information comes from a different person in the movie, but I think Mary Brown needs to tell them that here. And, wh- and what were you saying? The, the, the number is called... Well, I was like, it could be like the Ballad of Mary Brown or like the hairiest woman I've ever seen. Or maybe he's pee shy about killing kids. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we just call it the Ballad of Mary Brown? Parentheses. He's pee shy about killing little kids. The Ballad of Mary Brown. Open parentheses. <laughs> he's pee shy about killing kids. Close parentheses. Backslash. The hairiest woman I've ever seen. I think that's fun. Yeah, for sure. So then they go into the woods. They go into the woods. Right? Okay. the The first things that happen in the woods are they go to this place called Coffin Rock, and Heather 
serves it at Coffin Rock. And she's like, there were these men, they were tortured, and they were left on Coffin Rock, and their intestines were hanging out of them. Then there's, like, a scene at night where they're, like, all farting in the tent. So maybe these are two songs. But there's, like, a day in the woods where they're just, like, getting lots of good footage. They're having fun. They're having fun. They're doing what they want. They're pursuing their dreams. Um, Some ideas I have almost all come from lines in the movie is a man's guide to hiking, which could be the two guys mansplaining hiking. (laughs) Love that. There's also... She says at one point in time, think of the joy of being in a really good film. Yes. <laughs> and there could be a, f- I mean, this is getting a little too like double I want songs or double fist in the wants, but yeah. like them like hiking through the woods and like skipping rocks and like walking on uh, trees and stuff, not walking on trees, but like knocked yeah. over logs where yeah. they're like fantasizing about themselves in other movies. Like, yeah, I think probably the right idea is to is is the sort of like running around and imagining that they're in like great movies and just like having a great time cool the point is once they get into the woods it's the three of them and like there's we're using some gobos to show like woods but it's like beautiful speckled light and like they're happy there's a nice breeze but no 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 sam there's no gobos it's all manipulated by these juilliard actors in in black unitards Yes, but wait, I, I have an idea for the song, and it's not what we've said before, but it took us a while to get here. What if there's just a number of the three of them filming things, but we don't hear what they're doing, and instead, all we hear from are the animals of the forest who are so charmed by these earnest kids, and they have a song that's like, these must be the three nicest kids in America. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm down with that. <laughs> But I think that's very fun, and it gets the ensemble involved, plus you get to see very serious actors wearing sparrow hats. Yeah, we need to do that. Then, it's nighttime, we're camping, and they're sort of chilling around, and they're like, and then we can have this sort of moment that's like, it was an easy day, we crushed it. And then, this is my only real sort of, like, it has to happen idea. Our boy Mikey just doesn't have his shirt on, and he's got this very sort of patchy (gasps) chest hair. And she's like, I can see... And they're sort of... Ecuador in your chest hair. Yeah, I can see Ecuador on your chest. They're looking at the sort of naked patches of skin around his sort of uh, chest hair, and they're saying, I can see Bolivia, I can see Ecuador. And they ha- there has to be a song where, like, we park down, and she's pointing to all the places on Mikey's chest and singing about all the places she's going to be one day. Yeah, I literally wrote down, love ballad, I can travel the world on your chest hair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good. I'm glad we're on the same page about that. Where they're like, oh, think of all the places that this could take us. Like when this movie gets made, yeah. it'll write our ticket anywhere. I could work for the New York Times reporting in Bolivia. Look, I see Bolivia in your chest hair. Yeah. Is that what the song is called? I can see. Uh, uh, I th- I, what is it called? I can see the world in your chest I hair. I can see the world in your chest hair. Yeah, I think it's like a wistful sort of like final sort of moment of like peace between the three of them of being like, wow, this is really going to take us somewhere. So they have this number in the tent where they're looking at the chest hair and it's like things are going so well. They're having such a good time. And then I think after that's over, maybe we get our first sort of creepy moment. They hear something outside, right? Yeah, for sure. Which is great because we have this like spotlight on a tent with the three actors and then we have like 
the stage is in a blue wash and we have like 20 other actors in like theatrical blacks cackling and they're like acting very serious and everyone's like oh god is it cackling <laughs> what is it but uh, i don't do you feel like this needs to be a song like no, what no i don't think this wants to be a song i think what this wants to be so they're they're in the tent and they're hearing a bunch of noises, maybe some cackling, maybe some twigs breaking. Maybe maybe what it is, maybe it's like a very like foley thing where we see one actor with like a bunch of sticks and he like cracks them and that's creepy. And then we see one actor with a bunch of leaves and he like smothers them between his hands and then that's creepy. And yeah, the third yeah, actor yeah, yeah. has like a jar of mayonnaise and he's just like fisting and we hear disgusting noises. Or <laughs> it's like, someone oh God, like chopping like meat or like something just stupid. Like... <laughs> We just do a bunch of different weird foley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're hearing this ridiculous noise. <laughs> and the two guys are like, that's reason to turn around. And she says, that's reason to go forward. Which leads into the next day where she's got this map. And she's like, we got to follow this map. But they keep getting lost everywhere, right? They start to lose some faith in her this day where she is like taking them. And she's like, ah, oh, no, I know where this is because that's... Uh, whatever that rock was called, where the eight guys were sacrificed to the devil, and that's this. So, Heather is like, there is truth to this, we gotta keep moving, let's move. The boys are starting to get suspicious of her. And there's a song, Heather literally says, it's hard to get lost in America. To get lost in America? Yeah, did you write this down? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> of course I wrote, it's hard to get lost in America. <laughs> I think it is a sort of like, and she's like, she's like leading them. It's like, that's the vibe. It's like, yeah, rallying the troops. Yes, exactly. But the troops, the troops are starting to be frustrated. Yes. Can you just like, just, just for me, we'll, we'll put this in the podcast. But I'm going to tell you, we're not going to put in the podcast. So you have sort yes. of creative freedom. Just seeing the phrase, it's hard to get lost in America. I think a couple she's times. like, she's like, um, your shoes may get wet and, uh, and there's something else. No cigarettes. And the, yeah, your shoes may get wet. And there's no cigarettes, but it's hard to get lost in America. Something like that. Yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted from you. Great. I get credit as a lyricist now because I rhymed yeah. wet with cigarette. So that's good for me because I'll, I'll get part of the Tony as well. Just a part of it, though. A piece for Gretchen Just, Wieners. I'll get, like, what, the Tony's right hand. Yeah. <laughs> and then they stumble across this graveyard, which we're going to combine in the movie. There are two sort of areas with creepy shit. There's the pile of stone area that they find before they get lost and there's the uh hanging stick figure section we're going to combine the two of those so they walk into this clearing that's far from civilization and there are these really creepy sort of handmade twig stick figures that are really creepy and seemingly are proof that Either the Blair Witch exists or something is going on. And I feel very certain that I know what this number is. Uh, Do you have any Um, ideas? I I feel like you want me to be like 100% tethered to you on this, but um, I have an idea, but... Yeah, I'm I'm like trying to teleconnect us. Uh, No, the number is definitely at one point in time when they find the stick figures, they're sort of like trying to keep from freaking out and they're trying to come up with what this could be besides the Blair Witch. And they've been saying that maybe some people from the local local area have been townies. following maybe them. Maybe it was townies fucking with them. Maybe yeah, it was townies. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was townies. Townies messing with them. But what they say, one of them says the line, "No redneck is this creative." Oh yeah, I did write that down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird symbols they <laughs> find. No redneck one. is this creative. So I feel like this number is like, holy shit, we found this thing, and they're trying to keep from freaking out, and they keep on coming up with these like 
possible alternatives. But the thing that keeps bringing them back, this has to be the Blair Witch, is that no redneck is this creative. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't know, maybe we want to go super, like, Fantasia with it, where we actually sort of, they imagine some rednecks making these stick figures, and you get to see, like, a redneck in a pottery class, like, making them. But, like, they're just not creative enough. These rednecks aren't creative. Like, they keep coming up with stick figures that are just not creepy, aren't well done. They're not creative Or maybe it's, like, Mike is, like, no guys, and Mike has, like, a big epic ballad where he's, like, I took an art class with a redneck with a bunch of rednecks and they could do this and they could do (laughs) this and they could do this but no redneck is this creative finger painting yes pinch pottery yes uh self-portraits yes still lifes yes but no redneck is this creative it's like a creepy warning song of mike's like mike is like telling them this shit's real Yeah, and the act ends with them coming to the inevitable conclusion, which is if no redneck is this creative, the Blair Witch exists. Yes, it must be the Blair Witch. Blackout, intermission, right? Strangely enough, they give the Tony at intermission. They just give it to it. (laughs) Great. Um, That's that's great, though, right? That's, That's act one. I think so. we start act two right yeah okay so i have a couple ideas here and my first i want to get my first idea to start act two out because it's a little bit of a curveball it's a little bit of where are we going with this okay so act one start of all the actors on stage doing their warm-ups right yeah let's say we return to that convention a little bit but as act two is about to quote unquote start like before it's starting we think but this is actually part of the performance one of the actors in actor mode, in I'm playing myself mode, pulls another actor aside. He's like, hey, Jenna, can I talk to you for a second? And Jenna's like, what's up, Susan? And Susan's like, hey, I don't know, Jenna. Something weird is happening. I went to go change an intermission and like FaceTime someone. And there was like a stick figure in my room. Yes. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> Maybe like by telling this story, like we're bringing the Blair Witch to Broadway. Yes. And, yes, of course. And then they go back into it. Whichever one did not see the stick figure has to be like, someone's messing with you. Rednecks might not be that creative, but we have eight prop artisans backstage. They could do this. And you know Joey is always getting in trouble with equity for pranking people. Yes. So, like, it's not real. We didn't bring the Blair Witch to Broadway. Yeah. And then as Act 2 starts, we've got, like, these two actors who are, like, secretly kind of worried that... That the Blair, right. So now we've got, now we're really, you know, they gave the Tony to the show already, but like, little did they know, we're, this show's about to like, really fuck them in the face with some like, some like, double-edged layers here. Like, we've got this tension of the show happening, but now we've also got this tension that maybe the Blair Witch is gonna murder everybody in the theater. But I don't want to, I don't want to get like, super caught up in this like, side storyline i think just like every now and then we get jenna yeah yeah, jenna and susan are what i'm gonna call them jenna and susan like in between numbers being like hey yeah (laughs) i went to my dressing room to change into my sparrow costume and there was a flannel a bloody flannel in there 
It had Joey's tongue in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think Joey's pranking us, but he did get his wisdom teeth out last week. Joey does a lot of crazy things, but Joey would never cut out his tongue. <laughs> he loves to talk too much. But my point is, yeah, we have a couple of, like little interludes like that, but like for the most part, we're just doing Blair Witch Project still. I do feel like it has to pay off at the end, though, yes? Oh, yeah. The, I think, and we'll get to this, well, but Well, no, 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 no spoilers. We'll figure it no out. No spoilers. Okay. So, this act is is sort of all about, once they get back into the show, this act is all about sort of it all falling apart, right? Yeah. Okay, so act two starts. We've just had the Jenna, the Jenna and Susan interlude, but the real act two starts, and it's that they're lost. It's that they have been walking all day and they can't find out where they are and they're blaming Heather and Heather realizes they're lost and they don't have the map. What do we want that number to be? So like there's this whole scene where Heather is like, they pass this log that they cross and then they like run into it again. And she's like, it's not the same log. It's not the same log. It's not the same log. She's just like screaming. It's not the same log. It's not the same log. And then she's like, it is the same log. Which is sort of when she realizes that like, she's led them a little bit astray. So it's just this scene where like, you know, they exit stage right, and somehow through some trickery, we immediately have them entering stage left again, passing the same log yeah. over and over again. And it can be, like, one of those numbers that, like, rep- it may be, like, the song itself, like, repeats itself in, like, a way that makes us all feel like we're going crazy. Like, what is a, what's a number where, like, the same phrase repeats over and over and builds? Yeah. It's like, uh, oh, that song from Godspell, where they just sit, like, some when you feel sad, or under, and then it like speeds up and it keeps like repeating yes. itself. That's the idea. I think so. And I think it's just important to say that, that this is one of those numbers that the audience is watching for two things. They're watching number one for the content of the story. They're watching to see what happens to the characters. But really what they're watching for is because it gets really impressive to hear three actors singing this quickly Yes. You know what I mean? It's one of those numbers where it's just like, oh my God, they're still going. They're faster and faster and faster. And I can still kind of understand what they're saying if I'm in the good seats. Right. And maybe the sort of theatrical way that this is done in that they go off one side and come in the other, uh-huh. that it's like, because it is this Juilliard group of actors, <gasps> maybe like different We people. have these sort of this ensemble of 30 actors and yeah, they break yeah, off yeah. into 10 groups of three or so where each group is dressed identically as the trio and they're all coming in quickly yeah. to different parts of the stage in an improbable way. So, like, one exits stage right, and instantly they're on the balcony. And the one on the balcony exits, and instantly they're on stage left or in the fly system, you know. And they every yes. time they appear, they sing this sort of, we're walking through the woods, is that the same log spiel that gets quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. And it's very impressive, and they're all popping up everywhere and singing it. And we all feel like we're kind of going insane, but we love it. We're clapping along. We're like, yes, yes, faster, 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 faster. And then she has a mental breakdown where she screams, that's the same law. Yes. I love that. I think that's so which, fun. Which is not unlike the experience Sam and I went to go see uh, the, the revival of the mystery of Edwin Drood. And we are my, our brains were broken by this like song that sort of did the same thing and just got faster and faster and louder and louder to the point where I believe I just started screaming in the theater and nobody could hear me because it was so loud. I think I just started going, ah! I was like, is this what it feels like to have like a worm chewing through your brain? That's what we want the audience to feel like. But you love it. You loved, you love yes. that pain that it creates. That's how musical theater works is you, you hurt their brains and you make them love it. Yes. Um, and so it ends yes. with her meltdown. And I think you're right. I think Mike is like, wow, seeing you have this meltdown makes me feel like I should admit to you that I kicked the map into the stream. Yeah. 
Um, and do you think that's a number or do you think that's just like an admission? Well, we're going into the night where like Josh disappears, right? Yeah, we're, 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 we should get to that pretty quickly. So I do feel like Josh needs to have like one more moment where like it's sort of like that Your Fault song in Into the Woods where like Josh is really going off on because Josh hasn't really got to sing yet. Mm-hmm. I think Josh has got to have this. That's your motivation. Like, like takes the camera and is like, yeah. Because in the movie, what is the scene? Yeah, they're really annoyed that throughout all this scary stuff that's happening, she continues filming. Yeah. When they find the stick thing, she's like, I need one more look. I just need one more look. And they're like, we got to get out of here. So they sort of start mocking her for how much she cares about it. And they put the camera, they shove the camera in her face. They're like, you're an actress. What's your motivation? What's your motivation? Josh starts screaming at her. She's like up against the tree. She's so upset. They're like, they're like laughing at her because like her shoes got wet. They're awful to her. And, and he goes, aren't you here to make movies? You're well, here's the, you're the movie. You're lost. No one's here to help. No one's going to save you. You're lost in the woods. That's your motivation. Yeah, and so you're saying that there's a gang-up number where the two guys sort of do that through song at her. Yeah. That's fun. I mean, it's, it sounds not fun at all. It sounds really sad and upsetting. <laughs> Especially after a number where we just convinced the audience they were going crazy. Yeah, but, like, I feel like... Yes. Well, but the, the trick here would be, like, what's your motivation? We would just really lean into, like, the theater lingo, right? We'd be like, what are your given circumstances? Like, what, what did your character have for breakfast? What's your motivation? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so we've done the crazy number of the tree. Yeah. We've done the number where Josh and Mike sort of lose it on yes. Heather and sing What's Your Motivation? That's your motivation. That's your motivation. That's your motivation. And now it's nighttime and they're yeah. about to go to sleep. And when they wake up, Josh is going to be gone, right? We are in agreement with that. Josh is gone. So here's what I think we need here. If this is Josh's last night, this is the last night before things get really bad. Yeah. They're, they're hungry, they're scared, they're lost, but like... No one's been missing yet, right? Oh, God. Yeah, 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 yeah. We want a big, jolly number here, because there's this part where they all start talking, like, they're they're dreaming about when they get out, and they're like, hmm, what yeah. foods would you want to eat? And one of them, I don't know if it's Josh or Mike or Heather, says, literally, mom's mashed potatoes and a piece of ass. <laughs> <laughs> and in this same section, uh, Sam, Heather says the most psychopathic thing she says in the entire movie, which is, I want... Warm, milky ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) So, Kyle, you know what I'm about to propose here. You know what I'm about to say. Yes. I think it's time for a list song where they talk about all the foods they want to eat. And it includes warm, milky ice cream, mom's mashed potatoes, and inexplicably, a piece of ass. (laughs) A piece of ass. This is a ballad. It's a wistful ballad. It's the last, well... You know, it's, it's about all it. three of them like freezing in the in the tent, being like, "What would they yeah, want?" It's that song in Les Mis where they're on the barricades and the guy sings like, "Drink with me." You remember that song? Yeah. No. No, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's I that don't. song. But it is, and they're saying we want a hot, milky, milky ice cream, <laughs> mom's mashed potatoes, and a hot piece of ass. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it is pretty crazy. Fun fact, much of the Blair Witch was not scripted. <laughs> it was not. In fact, Heather said she wants warm, milky ice cream. She came up with that all by herself. <laughs> and that's why she won the Razzie. <laughs> but you know what's messed up, Kyle? You know what's really messed up? When she said she wanted some warm, milky ice cream, I was like, girl, me too. 
I was like, that sounds fucking good. <laughs> I want some more oh, milky God. ice cream and a piece of ass. <laughs> so then they wake up. Then they wake up. And Josh is gone. Great. So we need a number of the two of them in the day. And we can just get through it really quick. Like, I don't know what we want to do. Is this where we do a reprise where the animals see them? Do we want a reprise of her singing, I, can I have your permission to use your face in documentary? Do we want uh, Mikey to have a number here about how when you look through the camera, reality is changes? There's all sorts of options. We could even yeah, put, we could even put give, in a Jenna and Susan interlude here where they're like, oh God, I found another stick figure in my dressing room. <laughs> we have so many options. You just pick one. I don't care because I'm so excited to get to the next number. I can't think. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I kind of am into this filtered reality, sort of like we're losing our mind. Great. So the idea is, in the movie, Mike finally takes the camera for Heather, and he articulates that he's like, oh, I understand actually now why you want to film everything, because it's easier to pretend you're not participating in reality, essentially. Like, there's a, a filter. Yeah. So Mikey, so Mikey in our show now sings a number where he gets the camera and he's like, wow, you're just not part of reality. And you're saying it's like kind of like a fun fantasia. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Like, should it be a little bit like a Mary Poppins sort of number? Like where they dance with the penguins? Like, yes, he's like, I think that's when what you've it got is. a camera, you can imagine anything. Listen closely and I'll show tell you of all the things you'll see. And it's like <laughs> the stick, maybe the sticks come out and they do like a tap dance with the stick. Figures. Oh, yeah, I love that. Like he points the camera. He's like, without a camera, these stick figures are like a terrifying symbol that we're all about to die. But with a camera, you can pretend they're anything. Just use your imagination. Maybe they're yes. dancing people and they come out and they dance and it's great yeah and there's like a chorus line of the of the twig figures that sort of winds up being the poster of for the musical yes yeah that's a that's a great image and i'm so glad we stumbled upon it yes um so okay so now we get to nighttime and this is i'm so excited for this part this is the only it's the only thing i love i love in this world is this idea so what happens in the movie is they start to hear a man's voice screaming in pain or something. Like, it's very quiet. You kind of just hear, like, ah, yes. help, help. And they run, they, they're yes. scared, but they want to help Josh. So they run out of the tent, and they're like, Josh, is that you? Is that you? And then you just hear, like, ah, right? Like, that's what happens in the movie. So go, totally. go, come with me on this journey. Come with me on this. So, you, you know, there, there's this, I don't want to call it a trope necessarily, but there's this thing that happens, like, and I feel like it happens in, like, traveling kids elementary school shows like you know the, the, they would come to your school and do a little musical for you for sure. about like the water system or something yes the water system <laughs> it's always like a farmland scene where they'd be like okay the actors would come out and be like okay everybody if you're sitting on the left of the audience we want you to be the chickens and when we say chickens you go oh, cluck, of cluck, course cluck. Yeah, and then yeah. it, right side is you're the cows and you go moo 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 and it'd be cluck 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 and a moo moo yes. moo and a cluck cluck moo moo you know what I mean that sort of thing so I think Sam, we need the- what you're describing is old McDonald had a farm <laughs> <laughs> uh, sung to children in an auditorium yes but you know what I mean where they have the kids be the different voices as part of the story yes so I think we need oh, everybody over here you're gonna be horses yes. so I think we need Mike and H- Hannah no <laughs> Mike and Heather Heather <laughs> Mike and Helga they, they take off their costumes, and they're, they're, they're the Juilliard actors again. And they say to the audience, this next yeah. part of the story was so harrowing for us to research that we don't feel like we can act it out. We need your help. Yeah. So if you're, 
in stage left. You're going to be Heather and Mike. And when we point at you, you scream, Josh, Josh. And you on stage right are Josh. And when we point yes. at you, you scream, ah. And they do a number that is in the sort of musical tradition of old mcdonald but it's them being like Josh. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love that i think that's great but again the actors the actors are like this is so serious yeah we couldn't do this like we We couldn't do this like i have studied for eight years under the private tutelage of sir ian mckellen and i cannot convey the pain josh felt yeah I love that. Audience participation is always great, too. People people yeah. in the audience, I don't know if you know this, they love being asked to participate. <laughs> do you think they, do you think that other people aside from us enjoy being, like, is it an Emperor's New Clothes situation where just nobody likes it, but some people convince themselves that they do? Or do you think there are people in the world who genuinely enjoy participating in this sort of nonsense? If there are people who truly enjoy being participating in this stuff, I just, they need help. I'm sorry. Go get help. If you're like, if you're listening to this, you're like, that describes me. I love it when they put the light on me and ask me to do something fun. Go get help. Yeah. <laughs> now. Yeah. Um, okay. But anyway, so that's it. That's how we tell the story of Josh is being tortured. The lights rise on them. It's daytime and they find a pile of sticks with a bloody flannel in it. And what's in the thing? Is it his tongue? Is it his teeth? Is it both? I genuinely don't know. I looked it up. Uh, It is teeth, hair, and a piece of his tongue. Mm. Mmm. Mom's mashed potatoes and a piece of ass. Maybe what this is, Sam. Yeah, maybe this is a reprise of that song. But but instead of warm milky ice cream, mom's mashed potatoes um, and a piece of mom's ass. mashed potatoes and a piece of ass, it's like bloody teeth with roots attached, chopped up hair and a piece of tongue. <laughs> yeah, and it's the same thing, but they're just replacing it. And it's like maybe it's like in a minor key. It's like we wanted this one thing, but this is what we got. Mm, careful what you wish for, baby. Yes. And now we're 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 getting close now, Kyle. I think the next thing that happens is is Heather's Heather's apology. Heather's um eleven o'clock number, which is the most iconic part of the movie. Yeah, it's the moment you've all seen. It's it's I mean, hopefully you've seen this movie, but it's the moment where the camera is like I don't know. It's if you can focus a camera on a snot bubble, that's what they did because it's like her. And we need to do that. Like like Sam, you didn't see the Daniel Fish Oklahoma, did you? Uh, No, I didn't get to. They did, like, poor Judd is dead with, like, the camera right up in Judd's face, and it's beautiful and kind of gay and, like, lovely. Um, that's what we need to do here. We need to, like, put we need to bring the camera. camera zoom it in on her face yeah. so that we are recreating the image of her face only partially in frame. Like, it's her mouth and her nose and a little bit of her yeah. eyes. And what she says in the movie <laughs> is, I'm so, so sorry I'm sorry to Mike's mom. Yeah. I'm sorry to Josh's mom. I'm sorry to my mom. I'm sorry to Mike, and I'm sorry to Josh. I I pushed things too far. I'm so so sorry. I'm so scared. I think she says, yes. I can't, "I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm scared to open my eyes. I'm so so sorry." She also literally says, which is the title of this song. She says she is hungry, cold, and hunted. Mmm. That's good. That's tastier than warm, milky ice cream. Once they find the bits of Josh, things are horrible. They pass the day in a daze. It's nighttime. They know a reckoning is coming. She has finally learned her lesson. It's very Greek, in fact, which is why the Juilliard actors wanted to tackle this project. Exactly. Uh, It's very Greek. 
and she points the camera. We project it on the back wall, Evo Van Hove style. And yeah, it's very ceremonious with the camera too. Like it's gotta be like, this is the moment, like this is the moment we chose to bring the camera out. Yeah. Then maybe there's even like a note in the program about how they use the actual camera that the, <laughs> what their witch project was filmed yes. on. <laughs> and it's like a relic that the actors are exactly. all worshiping. And they point it at her face and we see her eyes welling up in tears and she sings, I'm hungry, cold and hunted. I'm hungry, cold and hunted. And it is incredible, right? Yeah, I think it's, like, she definitely wins the Tony. It's, like, there's headlines all over, like, BroadwayWorld.com and Playbill about how, like, it's amazing how this actress really turned a performance that won the Razzie for Worst (laughs) Actress into, like, one of the most legendary theatrical performances of our time. Yeah, word on the street is, like, if you saw Alan Cumming in Cabaret, (laughs) if you saw Ben Platt in Dear Evan Hansen... It's one of those performances. And I think, like, the snot is, like... Maybe the other Juilliard actors are, like, rubbing snot on the camera. Like, it becomes, like... (laughs) Or they're, like, throwing buckets on her. Yeah. (laughs) Of tears. And it's just, like... It's a huge song. Uh, Celine Dion re-records it. Barbara Streisand. And Billie Eilish. (laughs) They all do their own versions of it that go number one on Billboard. All three of them are number one on Billboard. (laughs) (laughs) They're, like, competing with each other. The Grammys that year are just people competing with covers of the song Hungry, Cold, and Hunted from Blair Witch Project. (laughs) The next James Bond movie actually just co-ops it and uses it as their title song and names the movie Hungry, Cold, and Hunted. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) All right. And then we have the number where they find the house, right? We got to get to the house quickly. Yeah, well, like, she ends this apology, and she hears Josh's voice, and they follow the voice to a house. As they do in the movie, and they find this really creepy house where they hear his voice echoing throughout it, and they're like, we're going to find him, and they kind of get split up. Mike, yeah, we're following Mike with the one camera, and he gets knocked over. And then we cut to Heather's camera. She finds him. He's in the corner because we know the killer is pee-shy about killing kids. Killing kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know if this is a song. I feel like the finale, this is sort of like a tense, underscored thing. Or maybe just throughout this whole number, this chaotic scene where they're running around the house screaming and finding handprints and getting dropping cameras and getting put in the corner. Maybe we just have like the ensemble singing this like terrifying choral arrangement of he's pee shy about killing in the woods. <laughs> or killing little kids. He's pee shy about killing little kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I think what we need to go with is just a chaotic dance sequence where they're running through the house, and the Gregorian singing is to Mary Brown's song about he's pee-shy about killing kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we just hear the phrase, he's pee-shy about killing kids, sung operatically or Gregorian or whatever, over and over and over again, building and building and building until they're in the corner. And the lights don't go out, Kyle. The lights don't go out. The stage lights turn on. The show is over, but there's no sense of closure. Because this is a documentary, deep theater piece. There's no blackout. It's just lights up yes. and everyone whoo, catches their breath. Wow, we did this. We did this together. We, fit, we did this whole play together. Yes, but we then, the, Sam. Well, and we, the audience, think that's the yeah. end of the show. But is it the end of the show, Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I was like, we got to. The, the actual finale needs to be, we brought the Blair Witch to Broadway. Yeah, the actual finale needs to be. Susan and Jenna run on and they're like crying or Jenna runs on. She's crying because she's just gone to her dressing room because she's not in the final number. She's just gone to her dressing room and Susan is there dead. (gasps) 
because the Blair Witch is real and she has the proof. And she's like, at first we thought it was this person, but they would never do this. Guys, we we did something bad by performing this. We we asked questions, just just like Heather, we asked questions that were meant to remain unanswered. We brought the Blair Witch to Broadway. To Broadway. And the final image of the entire show is all the lights go out and the audience is petrified. And the then just like one light shines on the stage and all the Juilliard kids are standing with their backs to the audience up against <laughs> the, the, the wall of the stage. And then it's just like lights out. No curtain call. We don't even bring the lights back on to the audience to find their way out of the theater. Yeah, they have to stumble <laughs> out in the dark. Um, and But that is a number, right? We brought the Blair Witch to Broadway as a number. Yeah, 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 for sure. Where they are sort of... Uh, Coming to terms with the same things that Heather came to terms with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a warning. About what are the limits of art and truth and mythos. Ooh, that's that's hot. It's Greek. It's very Greek. Okay, so... I think this is good. I think it's like a downtown hit that really moves, moves on. It's a- funny. It's scary. It's yes. sexy. It makes you think. It makes you feel. Makes you wonder what the hell type of psychopath Heather is where she would want to eat warm, milky (laughs) ice cream. But most importantly, it makes you not dwell on that question and seek the truth because you know some questions are meant to be left unanswered. Yes. Some things left unexplored. And I do think that this is an unknown company of actors. Yeah, you, you want this to feel like Susan and Jenna are two like characters. You want them to be talking at one point in time about how this is their Broadway debut. Yeah, exactly. Like, the whole ensemble of actors started this project as sort of like a project in their movement class, and it just like kept on growing and growing. It just became too good. And maybe they like collectively directed it. Mm. Maybe Evo was brought in for consultation. Maybe Daniel Fish was brought in for consultation. Yes. But either way, it does have this sense of like we were 10 classmates at insert prestigious drama school here, Yale, Juilliard, whatever, and we developed this in our festival of new work or in like yeah. us at like a summer workshop with the city group and it just grew to new heights. Exactly. Like Anne Bogart is consulting. Okay. I will recap it here and you just chime in before the show starts, you walk into the, uh, the theater, and the house lights, they're already up. You see an ensemble of actors doing warm-up games. They're so serious. They respect their craft. Finally, the show starts, and they say, in 1994, a group of students or documentary filmmakers went into the woods lurking for this legend, and they were all killed. Yes. This is their story. And they all put on the costume pieces that represent I'm playing Heather, Mike, Josh, or townspeople. And they sing the opening number, which is... Who is the Blair Witch? And they get all of these like crazy theories about the Blair Witch. And that takes them to the uh, front door of Mary Brown, who is the only woman in town who has seen the Blair Witch. Before they go in, Josh and Mike are like, Heather, are you sure about this? Why do you want to make this movie so much? And she's like, she sings her I Want song. And it's all about how there's this one question driving her in life. And that question is, can I have permission to put an image of your face in a documentary? (laughs) Yes. So they knock on Mary Brown's door, and she comes out, and she tells them the story of when she saw the Blair Witch. And she includes all these important details, including that kids get killed by being put in corners and stuff, and because the killer doesn't want to be seen. And the song is called The Ballad of Mary Brown, parentheses, he's pee shy about killing kids, close parentheses, slash, the hairiest woman I've ever seen. Yes. Then... 
they go to the woods. They've learned about the Blair Witch, and they have this number where they're just traipsing about the woods, hiking and making a movie. And all of the woodland critters come out, and they're just charmed. Yes. They're so charmed. All these Juilliard actors are playing woodchucks and chipmunks and sparrows, and they're singing about how these are the nicest kids I've ever seen. They're so sweet. The nicest kids in the woods. Then they are camping late at night, and Mike takes off his shirt, Mm -hmm. and in his chest hair they see a map of the world where they sort of explain all the places they're going to go when this film catapults them to stardom, and it's called I Can See the World in Your Chest Hair. Yes. Then, after that's done, they're trying to sleep, but outside of their tent, creepy things are happening. And it's not a number, but it's this sequence where we have the ensemble of actors doing Foley, where, like, one is cracking twigs, and one is, like, stomping on leaves. leaves, and, leaves. and one is just, like, sticking his jar in a can of mayonnaise or chopping up meat or, like, something crazy. He's not good at Foley. Like, eating pudding. <laughs> It's just like eating jars of tapioca pudding. And they're like, this is yes. really creepy. And the guys sort of say, hey, maybe there's some truth behind this legend. I think we should turn around. And Heather, in her make or break moment, says, you know what? There is truth in this story. And that's a reason to keep on going. Yes. And the next day, they are resistant to it. But she rallies the troops with this song called It's Hard to Get Lost in America. Your shoes may get wet and there's no cigarettes. But it's hard to get lost in America. And at the end of the number, they stumble upon this clearing where there are all sorts of wooden stick figures. And in an act of desperation to explain it away, the Blair Witch isn't real. They say, maybe the local townies did it. And Mike says, hold on now. I yes. took an arts and crafts class with all the local townies, and no redneck is that creative. <laughs> yes. And maybe we should give that to Josh, Sam. Okay, maybe Josh sings. Yes, yeah, Josh gets yeah, the yeah. act one finale. Yeah. And no redneck is that creative. Or he says... The townies could do finger painting. They could do pinch pots. Yeah. But no redneck is this creative. No. And we end the act with them forced to confront the truth, that is, the Blair Witch exists. Blackout. Yeah. Woo! Act two. <laughs> Before the act officially, in quote, starts, we have two of the actors in their actor gear yeah. run on stage. This is Jenna and Susan. Hey, <laughs> I've got to talk to you, Jenna. At intermission, I went back to my dressing room and there was a stick figure there, like the ones in our show, but more real. Yes. And Jenna's like, Susan, be real. Like, it's just a props artisan fucking with you. And Jenna is like, I'm not so sure. I'm a little scared. Yeah. Act two starts. They have this opening number, which is one of those, like, the entire ensemble is playing different versions of the trio, getting lost in the woods. So they're swirling about the stage, going faster and faster all centered around this log that they keep crossing paths with that proves they're lost because they're going in circles. It's not the same log. 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 And it's faster and faster. And we all feel like we're losing our goddamned minds. Yes. And in fact, we are. (laughs) And now she is in a position where they're really mad at her, right? So mad. And they sing, that's your motivation. Yeah. Where they kind of gang up on her. She wants to make a movie out of everything, but they just want to survive. You're lost. No one's here to help you. That's your motivation. And it's really mean. It's really nasty and gritty. (laughs) Nasty and gritty. And then they all go to bed, and they're hearing creepy noises, and they're cold, and they're hungry, but they're still together. And they have this sort of sad, quiet lament song about all the things they wish they could have one last time. And those things are... Warm, milky ice cream, mom's mashed potatoes, and a piece of ass. And a piece of ass. Maybe after they have this fight, they really realize that, you know what, we need to come together if we're going to get out of here. So it's less hopeless, and it's more like, we're going to get out of here, and we're going to have that warm, milky ice cream, mom's mashed potatoes, and a hot piece of ass. We're going to have mom's mashed potatoes and a piece of ass. And then, they wake up, and... 
Josh is gone. He's gone. And we have this thing where Mike finally gets the camera from her and he realizes that like when you look at the world through a lens, you can sort of change perceptions of reality and they change their perceptions of their reality, including the stick figures. And they come to life as like this big dancing kick line of stick figures. Yes. Then at night falls and the actors step out and they say, it's too harrowing what happened next. We need your help. And they do this number of audience participation where half of the audience plays them screaming Josh's name and the yes. other half play Josh screaming in pain. Help. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then they wake up. At the foot of their tent is a bundle of sticks and bloody flannel. And they look inside. And what is in there but some bloody teeth, some chopped up hair, and part of his tongue, or a piece of his tongue, and they sing a reprise of the mashed potato ice cream piece of ass song, and it's in a minor key, as you said. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Then we get Heather's... Oh, yeah, you just take this one away. This is is your baby one day. (laughs) (laughs) Then it's time for Heather's big 11 o'clock number, where she really realizes, you know, she pushed this thing way too far. So there's this ceremonious moment where all the Juilliard actors put this camera into Heather's face, and she sings her big 11 o'clock number, which is basically her apology to Josh, to Mike, to their parents, to her parents, saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry for all of this, I pushed this too far. We are now hungry, cold, and hunted. It's a fucking jam. The camera's on her. The, the Juilliard actors are rubbing snot all over the camera. And then... We don't even we don't even give her a moment of like applause because that yeah. would be too commercial. Right before she's about to hit the last note, no, we hear yes. Josh screaming, and they're like, "That's Josh. We gotta go find him." It takes them to this house. Yes. There's a like chaotic sequence where they're running through it with their cameras while the ensemble is doing a sort of uh, Gregorian chant operatic reprise of "He's pee shy about can't killing kids." Yes, <laughs> and. At the very end of it, there's no blackout, but the stage lights pop back on. The actors just step out of their characters. It was all a show. They take off their costumes, but Susan runs on, and she's like, oh, my God, guys. I tried to warn Jenna, but now Jenna's back in my dressing room dead. No. She's been killed. Yes. I know. No, I know. I'm just, like, reacting as <laughs> the audience will. <laughs> <laughs> she's dead. We should have learned Heather's lesson, which is some questions shouldn't be answered, but we didn't learn from her. And now we've brought the Blair Witch to Broadway. Boom. Yeah, it's very, it's very Brechtian, and it's like we've brought, and it's, we've brought the Blair Witch to Broadway, and they're yeah. all singing about, like, what have we done? What have we unleashed upon Broadway? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the final image of the entire thing is all the lights in the whole place go out one Harsh light comes onto the stage, and it's all the Juilliard actors with their backs to us, basically up against the wall, a la Mike in the corner. Before the audience presumably gets murdered. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, obviously the we don't we can't we don't have the budget to actually kill the audience and get away with it. What I mean is no, but that's the implication, which is the so implication. Bu- yeah, 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 the implication yeah. is just like <laughs> we believe that Heather is about to die at the end of the movie. The audience is about to die. Because yes. the Blair Witch has been brought to Broadway. <laughs> the audience uh, in the dark has to stumble out into their reality, and they are never the same. They're never the same. And nor shall we ever be the same after imagining what the Blair Witch Project a musical would be. Yeah. I'm, I'm a changed man.
Okay, welcome back. Thank you. Some time has passed. You went away. You got killed by the Blair Witch. Yeah. You wrote a song. Our spirits have returned to talk to you now. <laughs> yes. Uh, but before you died, you wrote a song. A lot of talented people took the song and made it into what we're about to hear. And now it's time for your spirit as its last uh, act before transcending into the, uh, the uh, next <laughs> world. You must set the scene. Spirit, go. Yes. I say as I lift off the ground and ascend into the heavens, um, this song uh, happens, it's sort of the last moment of communal happiness between these three people before everything goes really to shit, and they're sort of thinking about all the wonderful things that are going to be waiting for them back at home, so they remain optimistic in this dark moment. Um, however, we base this, as you, as you just heard, we based this song idea around Heather's sociopathic desire for warm, milky ice cream. Yes. Um, but then our producer, John, informed us that that actually is not really the line. <laughs> but right? you've already written the song. <laughs> but the song's already written, so it's still gonna happen. But so. in discovering that that's not the line, John sent us the screenplay so we could see the actual line, and we realized that scene is just as crazy anyway. Uh, yeah. Do you want to read some of it with me, Kyle? Yeah, let's, this is the scene that inspired the song. With the actual line. Yeah. I'd like a meatball. Just one meatball? And a big glass of red wine. Yeah, I would like a whole fucking bottle of Bordeaux. And a pack of smokes. That'd be good. And a long hot bath. And a big pumpkin pie. A pumpkin pie with ice cream? Warm with milky ice cream. And there lies the rub. But makes much more sense. The pumpkin pie will be warm, though ice cream will just be milky. So, without further ado, <laughs> arranged and orchestrated by Nevada Lozano and mixed and produced by Regina Avarian, here's Alexis Floyd, Jonathan Christopher, and Ryan Vanna singing A Piece of Ass from The Blair Witch Project, the musical. The night is dark, my brother. I don't know what to do But lose the dread and think instead Of what's waiting home for you When we all get out of these woods here And we're finally free at last We're gonna have Mars mashed potatoes Warm milky ice cream And a piece of ass A piece of ass a piece of ass We're gonna have Mars mashed potatoes Warm milky ice cream And a piece of ass There ain't no disaster Hot dairy can I fix And a side of lentils Fried sautéed with pixie sticks Love that raw spaghetti Cavaletti filled with bass But most of all Mars mashed potatoes Warm milky ice cream And a piece of ass Lukewarm fruit sand Tuna juice Hot pasta milk for days Soggy goose and pickled mousse And a Can't forget dessert 
screen just a squirt Dining is so delicious Leave the witches in the past Just think about Mars mashed potatoes Warm milky ice cream And a piece of ass A piece of ass A piece of ass We're gonna have Mars mashed potatoes Warm milky ice cream And a piece of ass we're gonna have Mars mashed potatoes, warm milky ice cream, and a piece of so much for listening. If you enjoyed, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening, and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Insert Movie Here. Insert Movie Here is hosted by myself, Sam French. And me, Kyle Wilson. We have a thousand thank yous. To all the incredible musicians on this week's song, A Piece of Ass is arranged and orchestrated by Nevada Lozano, mixed and produced by Regina Ovarian, and mastered by Dan Santiago. Our fearless trio, Alexis Floyd singing Heather, Jonathan Christopher singing Mikey, and Ryan Vanna singing Josh. Dominic Frigo on guitar, Nathan Cosi on banjo and mandolin, Erica Spires on fiddle, Milo Deering on pedal steel, Jack Schwenke on bass, and Dan Burkery on drums. To the great folks on our theme song, Andy Einhorn, who produced the track, Nevada Lozano, who arranged and orchestrated the tune, Daniel Kluger for mixing, Jessica Thompson for mastering, and David Davin for music editing. Will Blum on lead vocals, Lindsay Roberts, Zanny Laird, Jackson Perrin, and Adrian Rosas singing backup. Trevor Newman on trumpets, Rebecca Patterson on trombones, Chad Smith on saxes, and Evan Hyde on drums. Our logo is designed by Thomas Constantine Moore, incidental music arranged by Jeremy Robin Lyons, our music supervisor is Andy Einhorn, and our executive producer is John Albert Harris. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Next week.